And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. As we continue our series of shows during Black History Month, I'm Andy Shilton. And I'm Rose France. And today on the show... Uh, Susky. She's talking all things LGBT plus with the RAF. Uh, sorry. And uh, Steffi spoke to Bristol, this Bristol-based charity which strives to fight against racism. Um, and the Gay Liberation Front. We're going to be having an open chat with Terry. Uh, all that and more coming today right here on Shout Out. Um, bum, bum. I'll do it because none of the others that Every do it. Every time. So, well, it's not, no. I mean, Lara pinched that off me quite a while what? ago. And, Did um, she? Yeah, and, and then when she's not here, Hannah kind of does it now. Oh, uh, Steph, you have to prod with a stick to make her say or do anything these it's days. It's not so. my <gasps> section. It's always been yours, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's special to you. <laughs> so, and hello, Terry. Hello there. How are oh, you, mate? I'm fine, thank you. So, yes, we're fine. Me and Blazing Squad are having <laughs> having a great time. You have moved on from Blazing Squad, Terry. Come yeah. on. Well, Matt Damon escaped. You see, the restraints. <laughs> so. You didn't tell me that. Oh, the last time, uh, the last uh, time uh, I was uh, on the show, Terry, he was under the stairs, I believe. Yeah. Matt Damon. Well, yes. I am under the stairs now. Actually, it's my little <laughs> studio. Uh, I was going to say, if, if you're new to the show, um, Terry is remoting in because uh, we can only do so many in the show because of um, uh, social distancing and the like. Yeah. So but he's never alone. But he's never alone. There's always someone <laughs> under the stairs with him. Yeah, his imaginary so, friend. Yeah. <laughs> so. Very true, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're catching up with you a little bit later on, aren't we, mate? To talk about uh, the Gay Liberation a Front. Very important um, anniversary yeah. in, mm. uh, in in gay history. Yeah, yeah. quite a few years. anniversaries actually at the moment. So, and well, um, 1970 in, was a big year, International actually, Lesbian yes. Day. Yeah, but it's only only your day for an international lesbian. We were talking yeah. about our family. <laughs> <laughs> just an or it, le- lesbian in, lesbian International Day. How do you become yeah. an international lesbian? Ooh, can one ask? Travel? To, so, yeah, you have to travel a lot, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you an international lesbian? Oh, yes, I've been all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we heard that, Rose. (laughs) Although not so much this year, obviously, with the travelling restrictions. No. (laughs) Do you know, when I first came out, which is, I know, a long time ago, an elderly lesbian, she said to me, she said, and this thing that they put on the bottom of leaflets saying this guest house is lesbian friendly. Of course lesbians are friendly. (laughs) (laughs) I still, it's, it's your one, your joke that always makes me laugh about when you mm. got got asked um so are you a homosexual and was it yes. your dad or someone or it was yes, someone like that uh, yes yeah, so are you a practicing homosexual and you said no i'm rather good at it well you've got to have a bit of fun yes so. he's fully fledged um, it's lovely to have you back too rose we haven't had you on the show yes. for a while yeah no not too yeah it has been during lockdown but yeah. um yeah, yeah well look, come on i mean lockdown's been months now yeah, 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 didn't you say break lockdown? down you broke down, didn't you? That's yes. why you couldn't Quite emotionally. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, your face that flipping broke. It's, it's, when I, it's when I heard Andy doing his bum de dum dums. That is right. Oh, you, you, I know what it was. Like, no, I was supposed to be doing the news, and me, uh, that's right, me exhaust fell off my van. That's what oh, happened. Dear. 
Yes, which has actually just been fixed mm. properly. So your exhaust is tight and firm now. Oh, yes, that, that, that no, pole is very tight and firm now. <laughs> Good. Bringing out the proper emissions, as it were. Oh. Anyway. We <laughs> uh, very packed show, so uh, we're going to um, get straight on with it. So um, uh, we're going to go catch up with Saskia, who's been talking to the uh, RAF. Have a listen to this. Saskia 5. Oh, yes. everyone welcome to lgbt shout out radio and my sasky five now this week we are talking about being queer in the royal air force and today we are talking to shah davies who is the lgbt plus dni ambassador for the royal air force and also now the co-chair of the raf lgbt plus freedom network shah how are you I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited. I've not actually interviewed anyone from the uh, from the Royal Air Force before. So this is all, oh, new, okay. all new for me, all new for me. So, um, Shah, you've been in the Air Force or the Royal Air Force for over 19 years and you are an aircraft maintenance engineer, which is pretty impressive in itself. Um, have you always been out in, in the RAF? I have, yeah. So I was. I came out before I joined up. So I joined up in 2001, uh, and in 2000 the ban was actually lifted for LGBT plus person to person out to uh, to join up in the military. Oh, amazing! So I joined. I joined up after the ban was lifted, um, and I can honestly say I've hand on heart never had a massive issue. I've had challenges, and I've had questions, but as an actual issue to do with my sexuality, there's been nothing at all. Oh, that's amazing. And, and again, you know, after the ban, that must have been just, well, it would have been life changing for so many LGBT plus people uh, in the RAF, wouldn't it? Right. You've seen oh, changes. Definitely. definitely. And so, so people can actually be themselves. Uh, a lot of people will, rec- will, will recognise that if, when you're not out, you're, a little part of you is in the back of your head where you can't be yourself. So because Air Force is very inclusive, you can actually take your whole self to work so you don't have to worry about the conversations that you don't have to have or the names you've got to change or the pronouns you need to change because you can you can just be you at work and it's um, a fantastic environment. I think that's really, you know, it's really uh, positive for a start, but also it just gives you that hope, doesn't it? Because there will still be a lot of stigma attached to maybe some from previous with section 20a and how like the effect of being queer was you know before like your before the ban before you know we've seen the, a change in school and education and stuff as well now but um to hear that is really refreshing i think for people who want to get into the armed forces um tell oh, us, definitely, definitely and tell us a bit more on that note about the lgbt plus freedom network that you are co-chair of which is again great yeah, so the, the Freedom Network started in 2004, 2005, so it started off as a bit of a social, social get-together sort of thing. And very quickly, the support network started up. So we were like, hold on a second. So we started the forum, and then we started the network, uh, and gradually it's got bigger and bigger. So we're, and we're worldwide now, so we've got reps out in, in the Falklands, out in Gibraltar, out in, in Cyprus. So we try and have someone everywhere. So if someone's going to talk to someone, then we've got an LGBT plus rep there for them to chat to. Um, the main main part for the Freedom Network is to support, educate and, and advise, be there to, to advise people, not just of the LGBT plus community, of the wider community as well. So it's, uh, it's a very, very good network, yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, and that's where our allies come in, right? So amazing that this is a global, um, you know, a global network. But even for allies, um, you know, having that around um, around the world, are allies taking a great response to, to the network as well? Oh, massively, yes. We've also got the RAF Diversity Allies Network as well, which works alongside the LGBT Plus Network. Um, and they are, um, yeah, we bounce off each other. So we've always got, got the lanyards, they're all well seen. Um, and you've got those people who will stand up for you when you're not in the room, which is which is the big thing. So well and good to stand up for you when you're stood next to you, but when you're not there and they still stand up for you, that's the that's the key to to an ally for me anyway. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more, Shah. And that's what we need more allies. And and it's not just about allies to be an LGBT plus. It's um it's allies for um everyone because we can all be affected by discrimination, right? So we should all be standing up and supporting each other. Um, exactly. So I'm loving hearing about all these networks that you've got so on that and where um you know like i said before you know there may be people who are lgbtq plus who who want to get into the raf but maybe a bit apprehensive worrying about homophobia biphobia transphobia i mean what advice and reassurance would you give them about signing up um well basically the raf is very inclusive um, it doesn't matter about sexuality, it doesn't matter about gender, it doesn't matter about skin colour, faith, anything like that. As long as you're good at your job and you're a good person um, and you, you pass the test to get in, obviously, that's yeah. the main thing. Uh, we've got all the different networks, staff networks there to help people. Um, and not just if anyone's got a problem, but come along and join the network anyway and be that person, be that ally to help other people as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, very, very inclusive from from the senior leadership team at the top right down to the newest recruit coming in at, at day one. So, yeah, it's very good. Oh, great. I'm sure that would be really reassuring for anyone listening out looking to, to join up to the RF. And as I say, I've learned a lot and I'm really excited that you've got these network and it's all around the world globally supporting people, obviously everyone's stationed. Um, and just for anyone listening, you can follow um, follow the network or the Freedom Network on Twitter at RAF underscore LGBT and uh, join you and find out a bit more there, I guess. Shah, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been amazing. Sure. And an yes, eye opener. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Come and join the Air Force. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too gobby. Don't agree. People, I'm wrapping it up there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. That's uh, Kylie Minogue's new song. It's mm-hmm. called Magic. She is. Yeah. I haven't had a song out from her in a long time, have we? No. So it's really nice to see her. Got one out. So. She's got an album coming out, hasn't she? Is yeah, that, well, that's, that right? on, yeah, yeah. that's on the album. Um, and, um, yeah, the album's out beginning in November. So a little while to wait, yeah. Ooh, really long, nice. Only a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, but, but I, I knew it was out because all my gay friends on Facebook were like, Ah, Kylie! <laughs> Kylie! <laughs> <laughs> Kylie, a gay icon, whatever yeah. you came to do. Well, they're, 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 all, they're all having the time of their lives at the moment. I mean, Kylie's just released a song and Steps have just released a song and an oh, album. Yeah, Steps. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, the they're back. They've announced another tour. Steps are on the way back up. Yeah. Get it? Little joke there. Yeah, but it's weird. I mean, listening to Steps, it, it reminds me like 20 years ago. It's mm. mad. 
I know. So. Here's another one. Let's let's try this one, Terry. Steps yes. are climbing the charts. <laughs> another one. There you go. Hey, here all week. <laughs> so, no, it's not, not not called the charts, is it? Ter- I know. Terry calls it the hit. Terry calls <laughs> it the hit parade. <laughs> the hit parade. Do you remember the hit parade, Terry? <laughs> so, and, and, and if you get Steph hyper enough, she'll even sing you the jingle for it. It's like da 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 da. And pick of the pops. Yeah, pick Alan of the Freeman. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, with his with his own jingle on his own this week, uh, <laughs> let's get some news headlines. Of course. This is Shoutout News on Thursday the 8th of October. In news local to us here in Bristol, the police are appealing for witnesses or intelligence after an inverted swastika, that is the symbol used by the Nazi party of Germany, was spray-painted onto a vehicle in Kingswood. The local community newspaper, The Week In, says that the vehicle was in the area of Waters Road. Superintendent Andy Bennett from Avon and Somerset Police is the force's lead on hate crime. He said, Following this incident, we approached the Jewish Community Safety Trust, who are satisfied that we are dealing with this in a correct and proper way. The swastika symbol is offensive not just to Jews, but to all those targeted by the far right wing, including LGBTQ people, black people, the disabled, communists, socialists, and gypsy peoples. Superintendent Bennett reported that at this stage there is no evidence that the owner of the car was deliberately targeted and that this is more likely random fascist graffiti. Intelligence, however, is welcome on the police non-emergency number 101 and you can quote the reference 522-022-1077. That's crime number 522-022-1077. The far-right Hungarian government continues to flout international norms and democratic values according to human rights groups and the European Union. The state, under Viktor Orban, has been trying to navigate a far-right-wing path, dismantling protections for homosexuals, transgender people, gypsies and cultural minorities. So far it has met with only limited success. Hungary, under communist rule, was actually much more liberal than the Soviet Union and its communist government actually decriminalised homosexuality in the early 60s, encouraging a more tolerant attitude towards minorities generally. This has stopped the current Hungarian government from the whole-scale dismantling of past freedoms. However, the state is continuing to chip away at democratic values. Most recently, according to a report on the cable channel Euronews, the hardman Prime Minister waved aloft a book which teaches tolerance towards different family backgrounds, framing traditional fairy tales with LGBTQ, Gypsy, Jewish and other minority characters. Leave our children alone, he shrieked. So far, his stance has not gone all his way. The book has apparently climbed into the bestsellers list because of the publicity and a vigorous defence of freedom of speech by the Federation of Hungarian Booksellers has met with some support nationally. But the situation remains precarious in Hungary and observers feel that it might be just one Eastern European state poised to fall into authoritarianism and despotism. LGBTQ campaigners have joined with atheists and secular groups to broadly welcome the decision of an employment tribunal in Bristol to uphold the dismissal of Christian fundamentalist Christy Higgs, who was quietly let go of by a Gloucestershire school after making a series of bizarre posts on social media and linking to anti-gay and anti-transgender groups. 
Ms Higgs claimed that she was the victim of religious persecution, but instead, according to both The Guardian and Pink News, she was ruled to have been pursuing her own homophobic agenda. Higgs had been supported by a small group who called themselves the Christian Legal Centre. They vowed to continue their campaign against inclusive education. But Humanists UK, which represents the largest body of atheists in the United Kingdom, said the school was quite appropriately acting in the interests of its pupils and community. One gay man went further and took to social media media to claim schools have a duty to protect gay children from people like Ms Higgs. Pink News concluded that the employment judge, Derek Reed, affirmed that Higgs was sacked because, quote, the school felt that the language used in her postings might reasonably lead someone who read them to conclude that she held transphobic and homophobic views. He also ruled that there was a genuine belief on the part of the school that she had com- committed gross misconduct. Meanwhile, the secularist newswire Secular Outpost Online is currently continuing with a fascinating series of articles on the history of Leviticus, which is that part of the Bible often quoted by fundamentalist groups as grounds for their hostility towards homosexuality in particular. Their series of well-recent analyses shows how these clauses were exaggerated, distorted or even deliberately created by radical groups. It will be of interest to students of religion, followers of gay politics and of course many LGBTQ Christians who are organising proudly as queer people of faith and working with progressive elements within the church to build alliances for social justice for gay and trans people. And kind of on that note, we conclude with next Tuesday evening marks a very important anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the founding of the groundbreaking LGBTQ action group Gay Liberation Front London. Peter Tatchell takes up the story on his website, reporting 50 years ago, on the 13th of October 1970, the GLF was founded at the London School of Economics. The meeting was called by Bob Mellers and Aubrey Walter and attended by just 19 people. But it soon grew into weekly open meetings attended by hundreds of LGBT plus people. Mr Tatchell went on, the formation of the GLF was a watershed moment in British LGBT plus history. For the first time, thousands of LGBT people came together and protested against our persecutors. GLF's slogan, Gay is Good, challenged a centuries-old view that gay was bad, mad and sad. Although there had been LGBT groups before this watershed moment, such as the Campaign for Homosexual Equality and the Beaumont Society, these behaved in a quiet and apologetic manner until the activists of the GLF blew gay and trans oppression wide open and changed the consciousness of the communities under the Rainbow Banner from shame to pride and defiance. The 50th anniversary vigil takes place at 6 o'clock on the 13th of October outside the front entrance to the London School of Economics. Happy birthday, GLF, from all of us here. It has been, like Stonewall itself, a riot. Now, for these new stories and more, you can always check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shout Out News, this has been Terry Starr. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. Well, I'm in the Sari offices in the middle of Bristol. 
and um, I'm with Alex and Lucy. Um, Alex, first, can you tell me actually what you do and what Sari is about? Hi, Steph. Yeah, my name is Alex, as you said. I'm Alex Rakes, and I am the strategic director of Sari, which is Stand Against Racism and Inequality. And we are um, the regional hate crime charity, and we do we are there for anyone facing any kind of hate crime or hate incident. Um, and supporting them with a free confidential casework service and we'll support people as much as we can and for as long as it takes hopefully to get to the best solutions possible for them. Now, a few weeks back, we had Sarah, who was um, telling us the, about the demise of LGBT Bristol, uh, sadly, and they were dealing with hate crime for the uh, LGBTQ community within uh, the city. Um, now, sorry, are going to start to take that over, but you're not doing it alone, are you? We're not doing it alone. So um, I think we should, you know, we cover the Avon and Somerset area and we've actually been doing uh, off providing casework support to LGBTQ plus people now for all, I would say, about seven years. Um, but we've never done it on our own. In Bristol, we did have a caseworker, a brilliant caseworker, actually based with um, and, and employed by LGBT Bristol. But obviously now with them having to close their doors, um, we had to make a decision over what we did to look after victims of homophobic, transphobic and biphobic abuse. And um, we're in a partnership in Bristol. We have a collaboration. It's called Bristol Hate Crime and Discrimination Services. It's made up of six partners. Um, it's made up of Sari. We lead it. We coordinate the casework team anyway here because we run a 24-hour service and we've got all the safety and security equipment um, and we've kind of got the 20, 28 years of experience of keeping people safe from hate crime. So we're, we're leading it, but we do it with... Um, Bristol Minds, they help with mental health related casework. We've got um, Brandon Trust, um, who've got a caseworker called Sarah Howard, and they are helping with other types of disability hate crime, such as learning disability and autism and physical impairments. Um, and then we've got the Law Centre helping with um, legal help with case cases that, that are like discrimination in employment and schools and things like that. And then we've got another organisation called Resolve West, who used to be Bristol Mediation, and they do restorative justice for us. For LGBTQ plus casework, we obviously did have a caseworker at LGBT Bristol, and we've now gone into partnership with Off the Record, um, who many people will know, um, with their freedom part of their organisation. And they've agreed um, to help us as a specialist partner for the interim because our long so Sari's now been looking after the casework since I think it was January this year. We it got handed over to us, so we've been looking after the casework. And Lucy's going to talk to you in a minute because she's been doing that case, quite a lot of it for us. Not all of it, but she's been doing quite a few of the cases. Um, so Sari has taken this as an interim measure because we know we can keep people safe and we can be a safe place for people to come to and we can do a good job to get the best outcomes. However, our long-term aim and dream is to find 
another LGBTQ plus specialist agency um, to run the service, but we've got to reapply for funding in a year's time. So off the record, we have agreed to come in as an interim because we know a lot of LGBTQ plus people trust them. Um, They're well known. Um, They've got LGBTQ plus workers who are amazing. Um, And so we felt they were the best partner to come in with us and they agreed and I'm so pleased they agreed. Mm. So what they're doing is they're going to help us with outreach, with awareness raising, with empowerment and we're trying to get communities feeling more confident about coming to Sari with their cases because we do not want anyone suffering in silence. Um, We know Sari, um, we can do a good job and hopefully in a minute you'll hear from Lucy around maybe some of the ways she's, you know, we're making a difference for people who are facing um, homophobic, transphobic and biphobic abuse in the Bristol area. So the organisational changes through hate crime for the LGBTQ community is only changing in Bristol, isn't it? So um, the surrounding areas are already set up. They're already set up and we've got some, uh, so we work with specialist partners in those areas as well. In particular, we work a lot with the Diversity Trust. So a lot of people might know Barclay Wild and Cheryl Morgan and some of the other consultants there. And they're helping us in the same way off the record as in Bristol. But we run the casework service in those areas um, again it's really hard to kind of get the funding or even to find the charity that can do the casework specialist work because Sari is very good we are good we are specialists at casework and at keeping people safe at getting them safe and at challenging agencies at all levels when they're not doing the right job so if the police or the council or a landlord or a school are failing someone when they're facing um, homophobic transphobic or biphobic abuse we are good at challenging we are good at making a difference with that person and putting them in the driving seat and making sure that their voice is heard um and 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 really you know from from our point of view that's the most important thing is getting people safe and getting their voices heard but yeah the more we can collaborate because at the end of the day you know sorry is not an lgbtq plus um uh, run organization even though we have um, board members we have people who are involved in sari who are um but we're not I mean, and that's not where our history came from you know our history is as a race charity and we're well aware of that um but we actually changed our charitable 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 objectives after the single equality act came in 2010 and the government started no longer funding single issue groups and we're not happy with that a lot of organizations aren't we wish they would fund um, specialist groups for the different hate crime strands, if that makes sense. But they so don't. you find, and is that a big problem then, and a challenge to organisations that you have to diversify and maybe have to go into areas that you're not an expert at? Yeah, and I, I you see. To me, hate crime is a bit. You know, it, it's like such a huge, encompassing term. It's also a word that lots of people don't recognise. Like a lot of incidents that happen, they're quite micro. Um, or people might say, "Well, that's not hate, so I'm not going to report it." Um, so hate crime can be a bit misleading as a term. You know, I prefer the term. I prefer saying homophobic abuse or transphobic abuse or racist abuse or religious based harassment and attack because that is what it says it is. You know, so um, what Sari's tried to do when we changed our chari- charitable objectives we were actually even at that time, um, well known members of the LGBTQ plus community then came to Sari and said, "Can you do for us what you're doing for BME people?" And we were actually partly pushed to do it for that 
that reason um, because they didn't have a comparable organisation. So um, what we've tried to do to have integrity is to collaborate is to work with agencies that people do see as representing them and that they do trust. So we do that as much as we can. So we don't try and pretend to say we're one size fits all because we're not. Okay. Lucy, you're going to be dealing with uh, the Bristol area, aren't you, for LGBTQ+. So just give me a bit of background about yourself. Hi, Steph. I'm Lucy. I'm one of the caseworkers here at Sari. I've recently taken on the link person for LGBTQ plus communities here in Bristol. I've worked at Sari for nearly a year now and it's gone crazy quick because it's just manic and that's just the life of a caseworker really. Um, It's great to be on board. Casework is so, so varied. You're never going to have the same client with the same needs at all. Um, And so it's really important that you kind of communicate with that client and work out what they want from the service um obviously we're client-led um so we do only do and work with what they want cases are so so varied at the moment assault cases a number of kind of verbal abusively online abuse um it really is varied and a varied age groups as well got a lot of young people coming to us got a lot of older people coming to us um and for me working with off the record very closely they've provided excellent excellent support and making sure that we can support them the best way we can. Um, Obviously, we're taking a multi-agency approach. So a lot of my clients at the moment have complex needs. They may have mental health needs. They also may have other things that come into the picture. So it's really important that we take that kind of multi-dimensional approach from working with these clients. So it seems to me there's though um, it's not just SARI that you feel is very important to work with other agencies and those groups of agencies make the whole and make it work absolutely 100% it's so important that we all work together because it's never just a single issue and it's it's a multi-dimensional picture mm. um, so it's so important we kind of work in unity with the other agencies Yeah. now you're saying that um, Alex was saying about 24-7 cover um, is there a team of you to make sure that that is covered? Absolutely. Like we never want to let anyone feel like they're alone on these issues. Um, so I work nine till five, Monday to Friday, but we do offer an out of hours service on the weekend if clients are in distress or they feel they need to speak to someone immediately. Um, usually our managing directors take hold of that. There's three of them at the moment that take an on call um, phone call if, if someone needs to speak to someone immediately. We just don't want to be closed the door okay thank you both that's really good and i'm hoping that we keep in touch with sari and i think it's really important that we keep tabs on things that sari are doing read the lgbtq community and obviously shout out we'll be doing a lot more work with on the record and and freedom youth anyway so um yeah thank you so much alex and lucy thank you and we're here for you anytime you need us Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Very iconic, isn't it? Great track. That is um, Jump. I I think that is so well known, that track. I mean, it it. it kind of uh, had a resurgence a few years ago when, uh, of course, Glee was on TV. Uh, they they, oh, they did, did a right. remix of it. Yeah, um, I'm uh, playing that playing that today actually because unfortunately Van Halen. Um, um, what's his first name? Terry. Eddie. Eddie. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie yeah. Van Halen um, sadly passed away on Tuesday at the age of 65. 
um, after a decade-long battle with uh, throat cancer. A beautiful man. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, uh, he apparently scared most guitarists to death with what he could do with a guitar. Mm. Well, they compared mm. him incredible with, player, yeah. yeah. They yeah. compared him with Hendrix, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, and Hendrix is is the man. Mm. <laughs> yes, indeed, and of course it's. It, I think was it last month was the fiftieth anniversary of the passing of um, Jimi Hendrix really? as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and G- yeah. Johnny Nash we lost as well. Um, brilliant reggae. Yeah, singer. with uh, I can see clearly now. Yes. wasn't it was his hit. Yeah, yes. one of my favourites. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I didn't hurt Same. myself jumping off the desk <laughs> to Van Halen. Yeah, I thought I was going to hurt something when I because uh, judging by the bone poking out the side, yeah. I think you might have done. You just can't feel it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I mean the floor looks a long way down when you're stood on the desk here and, and, and doing a riff, doing a Van Halen riff. Yeah, air guitars, uh, yay! Anyway, while, while, while Steph carries on with her air guitar, yeah. um, <laughs> Terry, would you mind if we had a bit of a chat with you about the Gay Liberation Front? Front yeah, of course you um, can. Now, now I won't, won't lie, and I purposely haven't gone and researched it so that I can actually ask loads of questions because it, it's a it's a it's a phrase I know, a name I know, but I don't know very much about it, which is probably really bad because I'm a gay guy myself. But um, can you give us a bit of um, a, a background? Who who are the Gay Liberation Front, and like when did they start, or, or, or kind of? come about who were the gay liberation front i think probably is is the correct thing because although there are glf veterans um the group itself hasn't been active in quite some time although it's many offshoots are still with us today gay switchboard gays the word bookshop many local organizations around the country right now um it i mean it wasn't the first uh, LGBTQ group, uh, if you like. I mean, in, in America, there were, um, I think the first organisation uh, was called the Mattachine Society in about 1950, set up by a guy called Harry Hay, who was kicked out of the Communist Party uh, uh, during the McCarthy era um, because the communists were very anti gay at that that point in time and he founded the Mattachine Society there was a lesbian group called the Daughters of Belitis in the United States and over here we had the Homosexual Law Reform Society set up in 1956 which campaigned for the repeal of the Anti-Gay Act uh, which happened in 1967 and there was also the Beaumont Society so this is the prehistory but all of these groups you see I mean most of these groups are they, yeah, pre, are they pre-Stonewall? These, these are all pre-Stonewall groups. Right. And they're mm. very, yeah, 1969 they were very, was Stonewall, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, June 69 in New York. Mm. And all these groups agreed with the establishment that homosexuality or transgenderism was sick and wrong. In fact, the Mattachine Society, uh, after it expelled Harry Hay for being too radical, uh, they um, actually would invite psychiatrists to come and speak to them about their illness. Do you know what I mean? There's a very different approach. So they they were very apologetic. Uh, And then, of course... The, the 1960s were a time of such cultural change. We had the counterculture, the hippie movement, uh, the yippies, the anarchists. There was the new left. There was the Prague Spring in Czechoslovakia. You know, there was a great challenge to authority but all around see, the world. But, but Terry, I thought, sorry, I thought before because it was in the 60s it was decriminalised being being homosexual, wasn't it? In, in Britain, yes, um, yeah, in England and Wales actually, not in Scotland. That, right. that waited until 1980. But I thought it was kind of you know it, that then made it actually kind of worse at that, that point for gay men because it kind of exactly. threw it yes. into the limelight so, but before exactly. that point was it kind of okay but people actually thought they were ill or something 
That, well, that was the op- opinion of a great many people, particularly mm. in the establishment. But even gay and people themselves. Yes, yes, it was called wow. self-oppression. And what happened, you see, is there was all, all of this cultural change happening in the 1960s. Then Stonewall, as Rose said, happened in 1969 in New York, the five nights of rioting against police oppression. And things very quickly changed, inspired by black power and the women's liberation movement which were happening at the time. So activists within weeks in New York had founded the Gay Liberation Front New York. Took about a year for it to get over to this side of yeah. the pond. Yeah, that's right, and yeah. Because then it, it was it, here in 1970, wasn't it? That's, that's right, that's, October yeah. 1970, yeah. when uh, two gay men called a meeting at the London School of Economics and the GLF in London came to be. Now, it's its kind of ideology was a bit of a mishmash of things. There were bits drawn from Marxism, there were bits drawn from feminism, there were bits drawn of sort of radical spirituality and so on. But this wonderful melting pot was, um, you know, with, involved thousands of people within a couple of years across the country. And the GLF offer, operated safe houses for young gay people who were fleeing from parental rejection. There were which was a were, big thing, mm, and, and and unfortunately yeah, still around even yeah. even today. I mean, even, even I, I today. came out I came out in the nineties, and it was the first thing I got told by um, gay friends was pack a suitcase. And I was like, why on earth do I need to pack a suitcase? And they were like, because it'll be 50-50. Either your parents will be fine with it or they'll hate it. And if they hate it and they kick you out, you'll need the suitcase and we'll look after you. And and I was only 18 at the time, you know, and and the thought that there was this community of people who hardly knew me Mm. who actually would help you if your parents rejected you. It was a lovely, safe feeling. And I was one of the lucky ones. I mean, my my parents did take a while to accept it. Um, They they certainly did accept it straight away, but they 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 were still like we love you don't understand it still love you um, need to come to terms with it kind of thing you know and, and yeah. it's a lot more these days but 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 yeah I mean and it's 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 interesting to know that started all the way back then so I mean is this kind of around the time of things like gays um, gays and gays for the minors from the that's Pride later. film that's later that's, that's, much, that's, yeah. that's, that's a decade and a half later oh really but that much you, but right. that kind of activism and all the activism that's happened since gay, the notion of gay pride itself as opposed to shaming who you are that so, and that was, comes from the GLF right okay so yeah. so they weren't in the kind of you know we, we think there's something wrong with us like illness absolutely wise. not they were like no we're actually cool indeed okay. and, in, and in America one of the big things the initial campaigns for the GLF uh, across the United States operating in, with other groups because very quickly the GLF blew apart and other organisations began to organise including lesbian liberation there was star which was street transvestite action revolutionaries there were we are good at acronyms aren't we (laughs) (laughs) there were all sorts of organizations and uh, but 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 so how long was glf around for then if it kind of well in in the United States, the Gay Liberation Front blew itself to pieces within about two really? years. Yes. What, what, but what in, do you mean by blew itself to pieces? Well, you see, lots of lesbian feminists felt that the gay men were too misogynistic. They still had patriarchal power that they needed to work through. So they went off and set up their own groups. As I said, there were trans groups splitting off. And some of the gay men were, dissatis- were more conservative and were dissatisfied by the radical left-wing hodgepodge of issues such as Vietnam War and so on. On, which were being taken on by the Gay Liberation Front. So they went and formed more moderate groups, such as the Gay Activists Alliance in New York. Now, here in Britain, the Gay Liberation Front sort of carried on until 1974 and, again, was suffering from internal splits and so on. But 
even despite this, or perhaps because of it, there were loads and loads of exciting projects that came out of it, such mm. as Gay Sweatshop, the the organisation which which brought sort of gay theatre to the to, to mainstream audiences. Uh, Switchboard started in 1974 as an outreach from GLF. Initially, in the basement of Houseman's, which, if if you're a Londoner, you might know is a a leftist uh, sort of anarchist bookshop in King's Cross. The walls shake when a train goes past at King's Cross <laughs> Station. Yeah. It's still there today. Um, which, of course, led, led to um, and the Bristol lesbian and gay indeed, indeed, well, which yeah, uh, yeah. was run by their work for we we talked about a couple of shows ago. I was just indeed, thinking, indeed. Terry, tell us a bit yeah. about um, uh, Peter Tatchell's involvement because I believe he was part of the original movement. Um, Peter was, yeah. yeah. I don't think he was terribly. Um, ooh, he might, uh, he might kill me for this, but <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he was terribly um, active. He was very young at the time. Yes, he'd, gone sure. into, he'd gone into exile in London to escape the draft in Australia for the mm. um, for the Vietnam right. War. So mm. he was a very young man. So early people in the Gay Liberation Front uh, that you might have seen speaking on television and so on were people like. Uh, Lisa Power, who for many years worked with the Terence Higgins Trust in more recent years mm-hmm. and is, is still writing today. Uh, Aubrey Water, who went on to found the Gay Men's Press, which um, started publishing you know, gay poetry, literature and so on. Uh, and also um, one of the supporters of the Gay Liberation Front in those early days was uh, Graham Chapman, who was one of the Monty Python people. <laughs> oh, right. He was one of the Pythons. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, he died relatively young um, one of the first of the pythons to die but uh, he brought sort of like that surrealist sense of humour to things yeah I sort of understood that Peter Tatchell was one of the he, he, he played a part anyway he in organising yeah. the first um, Pride March which in fact had sort of been born out of the GLFs and that was in 1972 and he sort yeah. of helped I think there was lots of people sort of organising it but he definitely played a part because he was he one did. of the people who was on the 50th anniversary march there was right. a few of them not many Indeed. of them was there yeah. no, Terry I think there's 12 of them and they were in the original movement they were there yeah. yeah and I mean Peter who was 19 at the time as I said he was very young he's he's now pushing 70 so I think he's 72 years time <laughs> don't want to get his age wrong um, <laughs> uh, but yes most of the people of course from the GLF are uh, now now in their 70s so it's important to talk about their legacy and preserve it yeah. now well Peter's so, been Peter's been a huge, um, uh, you know, a massive campaigner. I mean, I remember it was, I'd only been out for a few months and I already knew who Peter Mm. Thatcher was within that period of time, you know. And and I I, I do remember not really understanding it because I didn't really understand the whole politics and the fight of it because I'd come out of school, college, uni, and and no one had mentioned it at all because you weren't allowed to back then, you know. So I was like, why do we need fighting? For, yeah. but then you start to realise as time goes on. So, mm. listen, uh, let's just pause it there for a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a quick yeah. break, and um, uh, we'll come back and, um, and perhaps in um, uh, our end of show we'll have a little bit of chat about Peter, etc. So, uh, uh, no stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Shout Out, the Shout Out podcast. Uh, I know him so well. You won't believe he's singing that. Uh, there's a reason I picked it. It's, it's out in the charts at the moment. Even is though it? it's, it's quite an old song, that one. Uh, that yeah. is Amanda Holden uh, of X Factor fame. She's one of the judges. Uh, singing with Sheridan Smith, um, who uh, oh. listeners may remember from um, Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. Uh, but she also played Scylla in yes. um, the film of the same name, or the TV series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was brilliant in, in that. So. 
Um, I think, yeah, she's, a, a I think she's a brilliant, brilliant actor, actually. Mm. I really do. I think she's great, yeah. Sheridan Smith. Yeah. yeah. It's a lovely, yeah. lovely song. I just, I didn't even know Amanda Holden sang. Now so. you do. <laughs> now I do. You've been educated. Yeah, so, really happy. Oh, a like, load of gay camp music tonight, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. No. For, for ten points, um, Andy, can you name who sang the original of that um, song? Elaine Page, is it? Yeah, it was. So she right. sang it. She sang it with um, Barbara Streisand. Oh, almost. Oh, okay. Oh. Dixon, Dixon, Barbara oh, Dixon. Barbara oh. Dixon, oh. Pearl's a singer and all that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. get five points, Andy. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I jumped in there too quick. I reckon I that's too, too many, excited. Terry. Four and a half, Max. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry, you mentioned about the yes. Beaumont Society. Yes. Earlier. Yeah. The uh, I I don't I can't pronounce its full name because it's French, isn't it? But the Beaumont Society. Beaumont is Chevalier. Is Chevalier. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Named after an 18th-century French aristocrat who was um, at court in the you know the Ancien Régime in France was a crossdresser, yes. and so they were founded in 1966 initially to represent transvestite people but then expanded to accommodate what were then called transsexuals because of course we, mm. we we use the term transgender now but in those days it was one or the other yeah. wasn't it well it um, was three three um things oh was it oh, yes yeah. um i was part of the beaumont society back in uh, the late 80s and through the 90s asking terry about it when you and, already um, know <laughs> Sly um, horse. So this, the, it was then. It was transvestites, crossdressers, and transsexuals. Yeah, and, right. Um, there we are. The transvestites and crossdressers never the twain shall meet. They did not like transsexuals because all transsexuals spoke about were um, estrogen and operations. <laughs> Um, and a lot of the wives actually thought it was uh, contagious and that their husbands... Because um, <laughs> they, they didn't mind their husbands cross-dressing um, or doing it for a fetish, like a transvestite. Mm. Um, but, um, oh, woe betide a transsexual trying to talk to their husband about drugs and um, operations. Uh, they, 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 yeah. Yes, I suppose it must have made them feel... I'm sure this is ringing a bell. I'm sure we talked about this the other week. We have, yeah. 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 We did touch upon it. Yeah, yeah We touched upon it. Oh, it was but, part yeah. of the touch thing, thing wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Touchstone started it within the Beaumont Society. It's amazing the things that, that we, we make up that you think it's like, you know, getting gay by t- sitting on the same seat someone else sat on. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how I got it. Still in denial. Oh, what are you like? Anyway, uh, there we go. Uh, another patch show for you. But as always, you can listen again uh, on all good podcast services, including Spotify. Oh, and we are actually looking for people to join the shout out team and to help us make shout out. If that sounds like you, get in touch on social media or via our website, shoutoutradio.lgbt. Uh, next week, does drag offend you? Hmm, interesting topic. That one's going to be. Um, but for mm. myself, Terry Rose uh, and Steph, uh, say bye bye, everyone. Bye bye. Shout out. LGBT radio for you.